0: This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. Well, good morning. Great to have you in service this morning. Thanks for coming and being a part. I know many of you are here to be a part of our special baptismal, which will take place just in a few moments. So, thank you for being here, and we welcome you to Live Church and just hope you feel right at home and feel the warmth of the Spirit of God and the friendliness of God's people. If you received your notes on the way in, I invite you to pull those out. We're in a series of messages this summer that I've called Lessons from the Old Testament. And uh, these first few weeks, uh, including next week on Father's Day, we're going to be looking into the book of Judges and receiving some truth in that Old Testament book. So. Today I want to continue with some thoughts in the book of Judges, and and just to let you know if if you're kind of new to God's Word, that the book of Judges in the Old Testament is dealing with what I would call an in-between time in Israel's history, in-between the the life and then death of Israel's leader by the name of Joshua, and, and the establishment of of their first king who was the name of Saul. So in between King Saul and Joshua, we have this time or this period of of Israel's history where the nation was governed through people, both men and women, who were called judges. They weren't kings, they were leaders and they were called judges and that's what the name of the book comes from. Now last week I talked about kind of the spiritual mood of the people during the time of the judges from chapter 21 verse 25 we read in those days israel had no king all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes and we talked last week about about the 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 reality or the fact that if If you um, do not have an authority that is greater than yourself, in other words, if there isn't uh, something uh, guiding and directing your life that is greater than just your own thoughts, it's going to set you up for great destruction and for anarchy in your life. That is true of an individual. It's true of a family. And it is also true of a nation. If, If a nation is like Israel was at this time, uh, with no king, no rulership, everybody doing what they wanted, making their own rules. It sets that nation up for anarchy. And that's exactly what happened for Israel during this particular time. They were a nation in chaos. Now the problem wasn't that they had no king. The problem was that they did not follow their true king, the Lord Jehovah. They didn't follow him. and. And from that came a disintegration of their society. Listen to the headlines, these headlines that uh, would, would have come out of Israel at this particular time. From uh, chapter five, we could have made that a headline, Woman Judge Says Traveler's No Longer Safe on Highways. Uh, from, from chapter nine, we could have written a, ho- a headline, Family Feud Leaves 69 Brothers Dead. Whoa, that really happened. From chapter number 16, we could have written the headline, Powerful Government Leader Caught in Sex Scandal. We could have written that in our day. Uh, from chapter 19, a gang rap, uh, rape rather leads to victim's death and dismemberment. That actually happened. Ooh, it's tragic. It's, it's gruesome. And then from chapter 21, we could have written this headline, Girls at Party Kidnapped and Forced to Marry Strangers. But it actually happened. The truth is, not everything in the Bible was great. Not everything was was wonderful. There wasn't victory all the time. The reality is that some of the worst times in in Israel's history happened during the time of the judges. The reason for this was the attitude of the people. And chapter two, verse 10 tells us that attitude. It says, after that generation died, and it's speaking here about the the generation, Joshua's generation, the generation that had come out of Egypt had been set free from slavery in Egypt. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things that God had done for Israel. And as a result of this, verse 11 says that the Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight, and they served the images of Baal. And actually, you'll see that particular phrase referenced over and over again throughout the book of Judges. In fact, in my own devotional Bible, I have underlined all the time in the book of Judges that phrase shows up. Here are just a few times it appears. In chapter three, verse seven, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Chapter three, verse 12, once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Chapter 4, verse 8, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. Judges 6, verse 1, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And on and on and on, you see that phrase being repeated, the people of God rejecting God and doing that which which was sin in God's sight that they knew was sin. So this was the spiritual condition of the nation. And chapter 2 tells us the result Verses 11 through 17, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashtoreth. And and Baal and Ashtoreth were cultic gods that were worshipped by the nations that surrounded Israel. And Israel said, we want to be like them, and they began to worship the same gods. This made the Lord burn with anger against Israel, so he handed them over to raiders who stole their possessions. He turned them over to their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist their enemies. Every time Israel went out to battle, the Lord fought against them, causing them to be defeated, just as he had warned, and the people were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up these judges to rescue the Israelites from their attackers. Yet Israel did not listen to the judges, but prostituted themselves by worshiping other gods. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors who had walked in obedience to the Lord's command. Now, that is a picture of how things were at the time of the judges in the land of Israel. Again, let me remind you of this reoccurring, repeating thought throughout the book. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Now, last week, I dealt with the last part of that verse. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Today, I want us to focus on the first part of that verse, that says, in those days, Israel had no king. A few minutes ago, I told you that the book of Judges describes an in-between time in Israel's history, in between the life of Joshua and his death, and then the establishment or inauguration of King Saul as their first king. But I want to lay this out to you in a much more fuller fashion today. There were really, when you study the Old Testament, three spiritual conditions of Israel, the people of Israel in its ancient history. And and I will tell you that some of these insights have come to me from my studies in, in, in a book of Warren Wiersbe's commentary on the book of Judges. And it's interesting to me how much we see the same conditions happening today that happened back then. The three conditions or spiritual conditions of the the heart of the people was, number one, uh, they had no king. There was a time, number two, that they had man's king. And there was a time, number three, that they embraced God's king. But what I want you to see is we're not talking about government here. We are really talking about the, the spiritual or the condition of the spiritual heart of the people. And I want to submit to you that this parallels us today. So the first one that I just mentioned is there was a time in Israel's history of no king. A time of no king. And this is the picture of what Israel was like when the book of Judges was written. Again, that verse, in those days, Israel had no king. And that's why everyone made up their own rules living by your own standard, living by your own rules. If there's anything we learn from the book of Judges, it will lead to destruction. It will lead to anarchy every single time. Can you just imagine if everybody had their own laws in the United States? All 320 million of us all made up our own rules, and we did whatever we wanted. Can you imagine the anarchy and the chaos that would result from that? That's what was going on in Israel, a time of no king a time of no authority, a time of no rules. Now, the, the truth is, no matter how intelligent we as people think we are, as a race of people, we need leadership and we need laws. You may like it, you may not like it, but we need that to help us to function properly because people cannot live by instinct. They must be governed Preferably, they need to be governed by righteous laws that are administered by righteous leaders. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament makes this very clear. In Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, he says, Everyone must submit to the governing authorities for all authority. And I underline those two little words. All authority, that means the authority, whether you like the authority or you don't like the authority. It says all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. In other words, rebelling against God. And he says they will be punished. Maybe not immediately, but they will be punished who act this way. And so Paul went on and told the believers, in uh, the Ephesian believers, when he wrote to Timothy... 1 Timothy chapter 2, he said, encourage the, the Christians in Ephesus to pray for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. Now, I know that it is easy for us to criticize those in government. And I will confess to you that I have done my share Of criticizing but verse number three in preparation for this message has been a real point of conviction in my own heart because it says in verse three that it pleases God when we lay the criticism aside and we pray for our leaders if we would pray for our leaders as much as we criticize our leaders I wonder what a difference that would make I wonder what decisions would have come down or could have come down that maybe would have had a different direction that maybe could have turned out more positively than negatively. Here is what I have learned in life. And this is important. If you develop a critical spirit against authority, even if you feel the criticism is deserved, it will corrupt your soul it will corrupt you. It will corrupt and pervert your own spirit. If you become hypercritical of government, and sometimes it's easy to be that way, it won't be long before you'll become critical and disrespectful of all authority. Whether that authority is police authority, whether it's uh, parents, whether it's teachers in school, whether it's pastors of churches, whatever that authority might be. And that's one of the reasons why you never see God saying to his people uh, uh, to criticize authority. He never has to tell us to do that. He knows we'll do that naturally. He's telling us to pray for people in leadership positions. Why? Because they carry a heavy burden and they have been placed there by God. So if you disrespect authority on one level, you will begin disrespecting, it'll become part of your nature, authority and leadership on all levels. Not only the people, but you'll also become critical of the rules that have been established to bring a a sense of peace within our government and within our sense of society. So right now we have protesters who are turning violent on American streets during this political season and you've seen it on the news as if I and you just are repulsed by you can't believe that people would act this way but it's a sign of something far deeper I believe that's been allowed to grow in the hearts of those who are protesting and those who are violent there's a fundamental flaw within their spirit that is bringing that out going back to to a verse that i shared with you last week it was proverbs 29 verse 18 and it simply says this that where there is no vision the people cast off restraint so the automatic question is where there is no vision of what no vision of what it's not talking about your eyes it's talking about your heart where there is no vision of god Where there is no vision of accountability to God, where there is no respect for authority, what happens? People cast off any restraint that keeps them from doing evil things, and they'll start doing all manner of evil. Why? Because they have no vision of accountability, the accountability that would be coming. Now, just because they have no vision of it doesn't mean it's not coming. They will be accountable. But where there is no vision, people think they can get away with anything, and they do whatever they want. So if you have no king besides yourself and your own self-interest, you are setting yourself up for judgment. Listen to, again, Romans 13, verse two. Anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. Now, that may not happen by Tuesday afternoon, but they will be punished if they don't repent of their ways. So what do you do if you disagree with those in authority? How do you handle it if you are in disagreement? I want to offer three simple suggestions. Number one, learn to pray things through. Pray for, a, for, a clear, pray for clear thinking about the matter. I just want to submit to you, That just because you disagree with something doesn't mean you're right and they're wrong. You may be wrong. And I think that you need to accept that there are times when you think about certain things and your thinking is askew. It's off. It's wrong. And you need to accept what has been shared with you, what has been given to you in terms of the authority that's been placed over you. And so you need to say, God, help me to have a clear mind. Help me to have clear thinking about this. If I'm wrong, show it to me that I'm wrong. But if, if, if not, I pray that your will and your truth will be revealed in the matter. The second thing I want to suggest to you is that you talk to each other and you talk about one another respectfully. Talk to one another and talk about one another respectfully. Respectfully. Anybody can criticize, anybody can be ugly. It takes no talent to do that. But be a person who blesses and encourages, not tears down. And even if you disagree with someone, disagree with them respectfully. And then the third thing I would say is trust God to bring about the right decision, the right course of action, that ultimately God is in charge and he's gonna move through this thing. Now I will tell you that through the years, All 39 years of my life, there have been many times. Thank you, brother. There have been many times in those years when I have disagreed with decisions that those who are in spiritual authority over me have made. And maybe that decision affected me. But the Bible says this in Hebrews thirteen seventeen: Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. And so what did I do when I disagreed with those in spiritual authority over me? I submitted. Even to decisions that I didn't agree with and god i will tell you that through these years i've lived long enough that god has incredibly blessed me because of my attitude of honoring those in authority over me even if i disagreed i prayed for them that if they were wrong that god would correct the situation but i prayed that if i was wrong god would correct me and even if i never saw it resolved in my lifetime i knew that god would take care of the situation and the issue So I submitted, and God has blessed me in this. And I want you to know that in the end, God is going to make everything right. Everything will turn out right. Again, it may not happen by Tuesday afternoon, but it's going to happen. God is going to bring things to the right. Again, it is possible that you are wrong. Submit yourself to the searchlight of the Holy Spirit within your life. But by submitting, you are Submitting to your leadership, you are leaving room for God to work in that situation instead of forcing your own will on it, which always brings division and hurt. But if you become rebellious, if you become disrespectful, you'll hinder the favor of God upon your life. And I don't wanna see that happening. So I want you to think about that this morning. The time of no king in Israel's history. The second time, that, or second condition of the, spirit of the people was the time of man's king. And the book of 1 Samuel is exactly that. It's talking about a time in Israel's history where they chose their own king. The people of Israel wanted a king like the nations around them, a literal king. And so they whined and they, they complained until they actually got what they wanted they clamored until god said to to uh, samuel the prophet go ahead and give them a king because this is what they want and then it's interesting what the lord says to samuel he says they're not rejecting you samuel they're rejecting me the lord they don't want me as their king they want a literal king in my place and you know what they got what they wanted but they didn't get what they needed When you go back to Romans 13, verse 1, it says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities. And then I underlined this part. All authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. This is something that I have learned through the years. And I really want you to catch this because it's important that you understand it. Sometimes God gives us the leader that we need, and sometimes God gives us the leader we deserve. Israel got the leader they deserved. King Saul, they wanted him. He was a man that they wanted. The Bible says that he was tall. He was handsome. He was charismatic. Everybody loved him. They looked at him and said, this is our guy. He's the guy that's going to lead us. But when he got power, and this happens to a lot of people, when they get power, his true heart began to show. And it showed him to be a man who had an appearance of goodness, an appearance of godliness, but his heart was far away from God. And that began to bring real trouble upon the nation of Israel. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7 says, people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And when you desire a king over your life, and you desire that king by appearance, in other words, you're attracted to whatever that is. And I know we don't have Kings per se, but a king is anything that rules and governs your heart. So whether it's an individual or a thing or a way of life, a lifestyle, that can become your king. So when you make the choice of what is your king on term, in terms of the appearance, you like what you see, attraction, you like who they are, what they say, charisma, their personality... When you do it on the basis of that and not the leadership of God's Spirit, you are setting yourself up for disaster. The Bible says there is coming a one world uh, ruler, a one world king, a one world government. If this is new teaching to you, I I can't get into it deep, but the Bible predicts, and you can read it in the book of Revelation, that there is coming a day when one man is going to rule the entire world, and the Bible calls him Antichrist, because he is against everything Christ stood for, and he's going to establish himself upon the earth, and you know why he gets all this authority? He is going to get the authority, because he will be a man who will wow the masses, He will be smooth in how he talks. He will have charisma. His his personality will draw people to him. He will appear to be a man who has all of the answers. But what will happen from him, because he's the devil in disguise, will be that the world will experience incredible destruction. I think that America is in a time of man's king today. We, we and I know maybe not you personally, not me personally, but we as a people, as Americans, have elected lawmakers who have written laws that disregard God's standard of morality and God's standard of conduct. And because of it, our leadership is weak and it is hurting the entire nation today. From the Congress to the judicial to the presidency, we have weakness everywhere. Even on the state level, although I appreciate our state leadership and and I love uh, those who have committed themselves to, to serving us in Utah. Nonetheless, as a general rule across our nation, we are seeing weakness in leadership over and over and over again. And it's hurting our people. We need to pray diligently. That God will give us, not the leaders we deserve, but the leadership that we need in America. Because it is still true, Proverbs fourteen thirty four: righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The time of man's king. Lastly, there was the time of God's king. And we read about that in the book of 2 Samuel in the Old Testament. It's the time of God's king. What do I mean by that? You'll read where King Saul is brought down and God replaces him with a man who, whose heart is fully committed to the Lord by the name of David. David wasn't perfect by a long shot. If you know history, you know that that was true. He sinned. But this is what the Lord said of him. It's quoted in Acts 13, 22. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all of my will. Look at that again. David was a man after God's heart. I just want to ask you this morning, who is your heart after? What is your heart after? Because what, however you answer that question, that's your king. When you look at the history of Israel, their national life was never better than when the Lord was their king. And their national life was never worse than when he wasn't. And I just want to say to you this morning that the same thing is true of every one of us. Your personal life will never be better than when you make Jesus your king. You say, well, yeah, what about the young singer on Friday night who was shot dead and she made Jesus her king? How was that better for her? Death has no terror for the Christian, for the person who's fully committed to the principles of God. Death is the transfer ticket into eternal glory. And that young woman is more alive today than she has ever been before. But I will tell you this, that your personal life will never be worse than when you try to put yourself on the throne of your life. Eventually, Israel backslid into a no king condition again, and they were conquered by a variety of different nations. Historically, we know that to be true. During the time of Jesus, they were under the rule of, of Rome, under the rule of Rome. And Israel's leaders even admitted, that's that that's the way that they wanted it when they rejected Jesus before Pilate, the Roman governor. And this is what they said, quoted in John nineteen fifteen, we have no king but Caesar. You know what happened right after that? They crucified their king, their true king. But the Bible tells us that soon... AND I BELIEVE VERY SOON, THE KING IS COMING AGAIN. They, uh, THEY CRUCIFIED HIM ON A CROSS, AND HE DID DIE, BUT THE AUTHOR OF LIFE COULD NOT BE LEFT IN A TOMB. HE WAS PLACED IN A BORROWED TOMB, BUT THREE DAYS LATER, HE BURST FORTH FROM THAT TOMB, triumphant OVER DEATH, HELL, AND THE GRAVE. AND HE ASCENDED BACK TO THE FATHER, But he made us this promise. The same Jesus who has gone away will come again, just as you have seen him leave, to receive every single one of us who know Jesus as our personal Savior, who have committed our lives to him and received him as Savior and Lord. He is coming back for those. So how about you? Is Jesus your king? is he your king today i'm going to invite you to bow your heads this is something that i believe the bible teaches that salvation does not come from church membership it does not come by being a part of an organization it comes only being born again, that's what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again. And that happens when you're born anew into the kingdom of God. It's not a literal birth, it's a spiritual birth. And I want to give opportunity for those of you that are here today who have never made Jesus your true king. Maybe your king has been a religion. Maybe your king has been an attempt to live a good life, and you're putting your faith in that. None of those things will make us right before God. The only thing that makes us right before God is to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.